Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi there, it's the Analyst Inside Cricket looking back at the third day's play in the Sydney Cricket Ground Test Match and it's the pink day of course in Sydney where all the advertising hoardings and the commentators and even some of the players adopt the pink in support of the McGrath Foundation, uh, a big cancer charity in Australia. And it's a good theme, actually, pink, because firstly, Australia are in the pink in the Test match, certainly. They're ahead by 130 runs with six wickets in hand still. And also, I'm in the pink city in India, in Jaipur, on a a sort of cricket-related matter. I'm attending the 50th birthday party of the chairman of Rajasthan Royals, my friend who supports the IPL and very much involved in IPL cricket, although he's based in England, Manoj Badali. So I'm not in touch with the Ashes exactly, although I have managed to see some of the of the play today. And Simon, it hasn't looked good for England, basically. Not at all. In a strange way, it was an entirely predictable day, but actually the, the dramatis personae weren't predictable. We thought Steve Smith might grind out another... 100 and just take his tally beyond 700 runs in the series. Amazingly, it was like a, that stunned silence when he was caught and bowled by Moeen Ali, who got his fourth wicket of the series. Smith had to trudge off. It was actually interesting watching him this afternoon. The, t- the television cameras focused him, focused on him at one point. And he just sort of sent Smith thinking, why aren't I batting out there? Why aren't I batting out there? This is what I'm supposed to be doing, grinding down the opposition. But in fact, it was Kawaja today and Sean Marsh and then Mitch Marsh at the end of the day played splendidly. Australia really did grind it out. England kept at them. They limited the run rate. And then just later in the day, last hour and a quarter, Mitch Marsh got after the bowling and played really well and got Australia up towards 300 runs in a day, 286 runs in the day for two wickets. So England kept them in check. It wasn't like Perth where it was, what, 347 for one day. They kept them in check. But Australia still in a really strong position, 133 runs ahead, two days left. The pitch showing signs of wear and tear for the spinners, and you wonder whether Nathan Lyon is really going to come into the game in the third innings. 
You talk about grinding it out, and I think that that's a really good phrase for the series as a whole, and I suppose Steve Smith in particular, a bit of a result, I guess, England getting him out for 80 in this Test match. Ironically, he's going to be out here, where I am, uh, captaining the Rajasthan Royals when they re-enter the IPL in about a month's time. Manuel Badali, the guy I mentioned at the top, the 50th birthday party we're celebrating here, uh, he's very keen on, on Smith leading the, the Royals back into the fray in the IPL. Just loves his total commitment, his total sort of immersion in cricket. What that's done to Australia is just given them this desire to bat and bat and bat. We counted up, didn't we, the, the number of hundreds that both teams have scored in this series. Australia, seven, of which Smith has three, and are about to record their eighth with Sean Marsh two away. He'll probably convert that in the morning. England with three hundreds in the series. So seven stroke eight, three in terms of hundreds in the series. Uh, for the teams, and I guess that just really portrays the importance of making big hundreds and staying in and giving your bowlers something to bowl at or something to bowl with, and, and just the, the 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 sheer necessity to bat long in Australia is something the Australians have shown. Absolutely right, and one one thing about Australia's batting in this series is not been flashy at all. In fact, in some ways, it's not been that exciting. I don't think the series has been that exciting overall. Okay, you say, well, it's never exciting when one team dominates the other, as has happened in this series. But it's not been a series of, of flashy batting. It's been a, a series of high scores and determined batting. And Australia have set the example. Smith has just showed the way that what wins an Ashes series in Australia, what wins test matches in Australia, are big scores. And Smith just loves it. He's, he's so greedy for runs. And he's shown that example to his team. Sean Marsh has really taking that on board, that crucial 100 he made in Adelaide, which was vital in Australia's victory there. And as you say, he's on the verge of another one here. Well, that's, that's been one of the interesting aspects. We're used to that Australian side in the, in the 90s and into the 2000s, scoring at four runs and over, and the ball flying here, there and everywhere. It's not been like that in this series. It's been, in a way, really old-fashioned test match batting, and they've, they've ground down this England side. They've shown them the way to bat. We made a programme for Five Live before the series, saying, you know, what are the crucial aspects of winning in Australia? And one of them was make big scores. I know that sounds blindingly obvious. But in England, of course, your bowlers can get you back in the game if you don't make big scores. But in Australia, it's so hard to do that. And both Jimmy Anderson and Graham Swan were saying before the series, the way to win in Australia is make sure you get big runs. Yeah, and, and England, well, just haven't done that, except in the, the Melbourne Test match, which is the one game in which they had a chance, an outside chance of... A victory. What about the, the positives, to use a horrible cliche for England? I guess Mason Crane is one who, although he's only taken one wicket, he seems to have uh, looked the part. He doesn't look intimidated and he's got good energy in his bowling. I don't think, as I said probably at the, at the end of the first day's play, he's not someone who's necessarily going to play every test match for England in the future because they're going to want a spinner that can just hold an end up, particularly in English conditions. But the, the threat he offered and the variation he offered was, was quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, in a way, he was England's most threatening bowler. Jimmy Anderson held an end when he was bowling, you know, under two runs and over again. Australia just happy to sit on him and wait for the other bowlers to come on. Stuart Brawl still waiting for his 400th Test match wicket. Moen Ali, tidy enough, but largely ineffective. Crane was the one bowler, I mentioned Tom Curran as well. Curran didn't really look like taking a wicket today, although he, he did have one LBW appeal upheld, then it was overturned on review. But 
Crane was the one bowler really who, who looked like taking wickets. He looked threatening. And of course, there was the incident earlier in the day when he thought he had Kawaja out, but he bowled a no ball. I mean, there was some debate about that. To me, I couldn't see any way that a part of his foot or heel was behind the line. So I thought that was an acceptable decision from the third umpire, but desperately disappointing for him. You know, they'd reviewed it. And then we saw afterwards, obviously with the no ball was called, then, you know, it made it obsolete, but we saw afterwards that the ball would have gone on to hit the stumps. Kawaja playing no shot. So Crane did threaten him when Mitch Marsh came in. He went past the outside edge four or five times and Marsh was really struggling against him. Eventually, you know, he got his eye in and, and got going. But Crane did look the, the threat. I mean, there is some turn on this SCG pitch and you just love to see him from an England perspective. You'd love to see him with 350, 400 runs in the bank, you know, and then trying to bowl a side out at the back end of a game. But it's not going to be like that in this match. It's going to be the other way around with, with Lyme having that advantage. But... Yeah, encouraging enough for Crane. You know, he's definitely got something about him. And even even with his batting as well, you see there might be uh, some runs there in the future. Not He's not, a, it doesn't look to be, a, a, again, a flashy player, but he looks to have a decent technique that he might be a you know useful lower order player as well. He's won some plaudits from, you know, the, the harshest judges. Shane Warne, I think, was impressed and Graham Swan uh, as well. Uh, so it, it's good to hear that England have... Uh, the selection of, of, of Crane, both on the tour and in this match, was, was something that they can be pleased with and it seems like he's someone for the future. I, I guess the only other plus I can think of from an England point of view, and it's a slightly sort of obscure one, is that the performance of the technology in Australia has been a little dodgy throughout the series, exemplified today again by that disputed LBW, which in the end was given not out, but almost for the wrong reasons, and that's happened a few times, and that's partly due to the third umpire's interpretation of the technology and also a little bit to do with the technology itself. I'm not convinced that the virtual eye, which is the Australian version of Hawkeye, and its sort of syncing with the hotspot and the snickometer really works that well. And we had this confused situation today where the the decision was given not out in the end because it looked as if the ball had hit the inside edge of the bat but in fact it was possible that the ball didn't hit the inside edge of the bat it was bat on pad but syncing up the hot spot and the snickometer in the truck is not an easy thing to do because you're working with sound on one side and the heat detection from hot spot on the other and trying to sync those two up is is quite tough and and making a a sensible argument with those two I think in England and why I think this is a, a good sign for England is that I think the, the Hawkeye boys, obviously something that was originated in England, and they have control of all the different things, the ultra edge, they call it, and a little bit the hotspot as well. They have control of all that, and I think that the technicians that work on Hawkeye, who are nearly all English, are a little bit better at getting the right answer uh, than some of the Australians. So that's, that's one up for England, isn't it? Well, thin pickings, I would say, from the series. But I mean, it's interesting what you say. I mean, you know, they do use technology these days. And actually, if you if you look at them I mean, in football, the FA Cup this weekend in England, they are about to use the video referee in the FA Cup. And, you know, they've gone down the road of, of technology. Cricket has been there for, for quite a long time because it happened with, with line decisions. But you're, you're suggesting that the, the technology here 
in Australia is is not quite what it should be. I mean, Johnny Bairstow was talking after the game today and he, he couldn't really give specific examples because the problem is you can sometimes get into trouble, I think, if you if you focus in on, on a specific example. But he was alluding to problems with the technology out here. So it's your understanding that the technology isn't quite at the same level. Is that the best way of putting it? I think that's right. And I've spoken to some of the umpires in this series and they that's their view, that the, the technology in Australia isn't as good as as it is in England. I think also it's getting to the stage where probably the third umpire needs to be a specialist. At the moment the system is that the umpires are named before the series and there are four of them and they sort of almost take it in turns. You have two on-field umpires and a third and a fourth and then they reverse roles sort of as the series progresses. I think that the, the, the art of being the third umpire is a, is a very tricky one and you need specialists for that with very good English and very good understanding of the technology because, of course, when I say good English, their voices are broadcast right around the ground and on telly as well, so they need to be able to, to really explain what they're looking at and why they've come to their decision and sometimes that doesn't happen too well. So in the end, I think that, that there will be a training package or a, a training routine introduced for specifically third umpire because it's it's a it's a very tricky and and important role absolutely what i would say is i'm fully in favor of, of technology i wouldn't like to go back to the old times when there was no technology at all i mean i think umpires are guessing a lot i think there were a lot of poor decisions in the old days obviously people just had to get on with it because there was nothing else i think the, the the technology is vital to the game i think the players want the technology as well they want the right decisions made and i think technology gives you more correct decisions i, I really do especially on things like you know inside edges onto the pads and i remember that 2005 ashes series there are lots of erroneous decisions in that series where batsmen were given out and they nick the ball onto the pads i can think of damian martin you know probably a couple of times in the series just off the top of my head so i'm a big fan of technology of course if we can improve it the whole time then that is going to be good for the game it's best to get as many correct decisions as absolutely possible by the way uh, eureka for for football that they're finally bringing in the video ref only 51 years after the the famous jeff hurst goal in the world cup final which still being argued about whether it bounced over the line or not and and finally you know, half a century later, we're actually getting to some technology in football. Of course it was over the line. Of course it was over the line. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, you know it, it, I, the problem with football, the problem for football is that a lot of decisions are about opinion, whereas I think in cricket, a lot of decisions are about fact. You know, has he nicked it, for example, or, or has he not, or has she not nicked it? So in football, it's, you know, was that a foul inside the penalty area? Is it a penalty or is it not? Is it handball in that situation? Is it not? So that football's got a lot of problems ahead of it with, with technology, whereas I think cricket is, it is more straightforward. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why it has been introduced in cricket you know, a lot earlier, because it, it is possible to be a bit more decisive one way or the other. Of course, you're not going to have perfection I don't think you're going to have perfection but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it I know you know I, and I have been for a long time simply because I don't think umpiring in, in the past has necessarily been that good um, and that's an understatement go on well I, you know some of the umpiring in the 1980s was absolutely appalling I remember one umpire I won't name him but he uh, it was at Canterbury and the the last wicket pair put on about 
30 or 40 runs and the tea interval got delayed because you have to wait until the final wicket falls to take tea. And eventually, one of the batsmen was given out LBW to a ball from the Nackington Road end at Canterbury, sliding down the hill, missing leg by about four inches. And I said to the umpire who gave it out, what the hell were you doing giving that out? And he said, I I had to get off, I was busting for a piss. So uh, that's that's the kind of umpiring we had in the 1980s. Some of them were very good, uh, but but some of them weren't. And I know I'm a total fan of technology as well. Now, listen, any hope for England in this test match? They've got the prospect, I guess, if Australia rack up 600, of trying to bat for a day and a half. Can they do it on that pitch, do you reckon? Well, there's not much there at the moment for the seamers, but Nathan Lyon has played a big part in this series and you just feel that he might get a bit more out of this SCG pitch. He, of course, he's got greater control than Mason Crane and he's got greater threat than Moen Alley. So England up against it, tired bodies, tired minds. They're going to be baked in the heat of Sydney on the fourth day. It's going to be very, very hot. So you'd think the odds favour Australia wrapping up another victory. If England were able to get out of this game with a draw, I think that would be creditable you know, to lose the series 3-0 after losing the first three test matches. There's been no let-up for Australia. They've shown great determination both in, in Melbourne in saving that game ultimately and in coming here and dominating again. So there's been no let-up for them. So you know, if England were to get out of the game, I think they'd take great credit from it. Do I think they're going to? I don't think so. That, that was my hunch from here, but who knows? Still got two days to go, lots to play for. Can England uh, rise themselves in what could well be actually the last innings? England were hoping that Australia were going to bat last, and at the moment it looks pretty much as though England are going to have to bat last on a, on a wearing pitch. Well, of course you want Australia to win in the, in the nicest possible sense because your prediction of 4-0 will come true, you see. So you want to see Australia seal the, the, this victory, even though I know you're passionately uh, in favour of England doing well. But in the end, I, I guess if you can get the 4-0 prediction right, that'll be a, a feather in your cap. Listen, anyway, I've got to stop now because I've actually got to go and play cricket. I've got to go and play in a six-a-side tournament in the grounds of the Taj Palace. I just love the way Indians can conjure a cricket pitch from the surrounds of a palace hotel with peacocks strolling about. And I think the way my bowling's been recently, I'm going to need maybe some peacocks to go and fetch the ball. Well, all I would say is lucky batsmen. The lucky batsmen are going to face you in, uh, what, 20 minutes, half an hour time. They'll be able to fill their boots, just like Australia were able to fill their boots today. Well, that's absolutely true. I'll, I'll report back. We'll speak to you again after the fifth day's play when we hope... England will manage to hang on for a face-saving draw. I can't wait to hear about your bowling again. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 